that empowers you to pollinate your wildest dreams. The Wild Honey Collective works in service to the queendom of cultural worker bees. We pollinate stories that tap into the sacred alchemy of creativity and ecology that lives in the wild places of our inner and outer worlds. I'm your host, Amelia Morrison, and I created this podcast to be a home for powerful stories and wild dreaming as processes of transformation of the mind, body, and spirit. If you believe in the transformative power of vulnerability, creative expression, and living your values, the show is for you. With every episode, we are in a dance with the discovery of what truly nourishes us and an exploration of how we can master the art of sustenance. Today, I have the great pleasure of being in conversation with Sam Weinberg, doctor of oriental medicine, licensed acupuncturist, and founder of Classical Chinese Medicine of Virginia, a classical acupuncture and herbalism clinic in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Hello, Sam. Hi. Thank you so much for coming to have this conversation about Chinese medicine with me. And I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for being interested in this medicine. Absolutely. I would love if you could begin by just explaining what Chinese medicine is and the kind of lineage of your practice. Yeah, so... I first really want to say that it's it's sometimes difficult to explain Chinese medicine because I don't want to talk about it in a way that makes it feel like smaller than it than it actually is. To me it's so vast and awe-inspiring and I hope that I can really convey that today with you. Um, So I am an acupuncturist and an herbalist and an astrologer and I practice here in Harrisonburg and I see patients, I see men, I see women and I see children, Um, I see all sorts of people with all sorts of, who come in for all different reasons and Chinese medicine encompasses these modalities. It encompasses acupuncture and herbs. um, And it's so much more than that, too. Like, one thing I love about this medicine is that there are so many pathways in to the Mm. medicine. Like, it could be the actual practice of acupuncture. It could be through myth or feng shui, or calligraphy, Mm. um, any number of other modalities. So classical Chinese medicine is this brilliant and complete system for understanding 
the body, mind, spirit, which can never be separated. Health, the progression of disease, and then the process of healing. So, you know, life, Western medicine, we're still talking about the same body, right? It's the same organs. Um, but through by, by witnessing and working with the body and all of the tools of Chinese medicine for thousands of years, like there's been so much attention on how to access different parts of the body through points at the surface. So with, so there are meridians that travel through the entire body and along those meridians, there are acupuncture points on the body that we can needle into, where we can apply heat in the form of moxa, which is made from mugwort. We can apply that to specific points. Um, we can use massage, we can use essential oils, um, or any number of techniques. We can access these points to you know, ask the body to do something to do something different, to um, alter the flow of energy throughout the entire body. Yeah, and you hit on the broad scope that Chinese medicine takes toward understanding health. It is rooted in Taoism, right, which is the philosophical tradition and way of life from ancient China that teaches harmony with nature, harmony with the seasons, and effortless action, to put it extremely simply. Um, how do those shared lineages come into your understanding of what Chinese medicine is really teaching? So Chinese medicine is a Taoist medicine. The written texts of Taoism predate the written texts of Chinese medicine, um, but they are very much interwoven. So these um, other arts like meditation or calligraphy, um, Tai Chi, Qigong, these practices that are all a part are all a part of Taoism, and are also a part of Chinese medicine. So when we talk about healing in Chinese with Chinese medicine, it can we draw on all of these different aspects of Taoism to help, like restore a sense of balance, like within ourselves, and then, and restore balance also, like in our connection to nature at the same time. Mm -hmm. So how did you come across this practice and art, this tradition and healing art? And kind of, were there any things that you were kind of growing in yourself at that time of life that made you connect with it really strongly? Yeah, definitely. So when I was an undergrad at JMU. I 
I studied, um, I was pre-med, so I was planning to go to do Western medicine um, because I'd always been drawn to like health, the world of healthcare. And during college, I also, well, I went to Kenya and that was a major life changer and just how I looked at the world and environmental sustainability and our impact globally and big shifts happened then. Um, but then I also did JMU's farm internship program run by the same people, Jennifer Kaufman and Wayne Teal. Mm-hmm. And I did their farm internship program at Avalon Acres in Broadway. And they grow a lot of medicinal herbs and make tincture and make salves and it's a biodynamic farm so there's this connection to the planets and I felt such a sense of peace working there and being so intimately connected to nature and I started to ask myself like is there a medicine that feels more like this? Like, mm-hmm. Is there a medicine that sees us as connected to more than just ourselves? Is there a medicine that sees our bodies as capable of healing, always striving toward healing? Um, I was like, there has to be a medicine that's more like that. Mm-hmm. And... I started reading about different types of medicine and started reading about Chinese medicine. It was like literally the words like that I've been like looking for because Chinese medicine evolved by humans watching and experiencing nature for thousands of years and, and knowing at such a deep level that we are completely a part of the greater microcosm. And so the way that we even describe health and describe disease is all using environmental terms. So is the pathogen cold or damp or carried by the wind um, or heat or fire? You know, they're all words that we see in nature. And what I love about that is that every human can understand like what fire is, right? Like, you might not understand what it means if your doctor says you have like reflux, but if someone, if I said to you, you know, you have fire in your stomach, like everybody can understand what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to connect it with the symptoms as you experience them, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that just brings up such a good point of like how Chinese medicine can bring us into our bodies to actually like feel what we're experiencing in a different way, if that makes sense. That is beautiful. To me, it feels very healing on a cultural level because it was you who first exposed me to the larger scope of Chinese medicine, having only heard about acupuncture as sort of a fringe modality growing up you know and then to connect it to a shifted orientation of the world from the one that I grew up in and was educated in and became 
or came to know myself through that sees our whole selves as separate from the living world is to me that is the root of so many of our cultural problems and so just hearing you say that feels healing on a cultural level Mm -hmm. yeah so we often look at disease and wellness through the presence or absence of symptoms and once those symptoms are absent we assume that the disease has gone away But Chinese medicine teaches that when the body undergoes some kind of stressful, acute, or chronic exposure, the body uses a system to hold pathology until it can be safely released. Can you explain this diversion system a little bit more and talk about how you help facilitate the release and cleansing of those latent elements of disease? Yeah. So I think this brings up a good question of like what is a symptom and what is disease? Because we often think about symptoms and disease as like these things that are wrong in our body and now we have to change, that we have to fix or get fixed. And I and I think that alone causes people a lot of stress and anxiety about their health. From a Chinese medicine perspective, symptoms are the body's way, the body, mind, and spirit's way of of expressing an imbalance, of expressing something that needs to change, like that we need to change. So disease is the body's response to pathology. So maybe that pathology is a common cold that we were unable to like fully release. Or maybe that pathology is um, like an emotional trauma that we weren't able to fully resolve. Whatever the cause, disease will manifest in response to that pathology. Um, so the body has all sorts of brilliant ways of handling pathology in a way that protects the organs, which are seen as the most sacred, most special jewels that are to be protected at all times, like specifically the heart, um, but ultimately you know, all of the organs need to be protected. So. When people talk about the meridians in Chinese medicine, what they're generally talking about are what are called the primary channels. So the primary channels go to the organs and keep us alive and functioning in the present moment. If we are ever faced with an experience that is too big to be fully experienced, integrated, processed, and released in the present moment, then the body will utilize these different types of channels to hold that pathology quiet and latent and away from the, from the organs as long as possible.
possible. And depending on the nature of the trauma of the pathogen, it may use a different, it, it uses different channels. Um, so through our different diagnostic tools, we can determine where is the pathology and what is the best way of um, healing that, that pathology. Mm-hmm. If it lives in one of those secondary channels or if it has gone deeper, there are different depths, mm-hmm. isn't that right? Yeah, so these channels will work to hold the pathogen quiet as long as they can. But when they've lost the ability to do so, that's when we start to see more advanced or like chronic pathology start to show up. Um, If the organs specifically are unwell, if there's disease at the level of the organs, we know that the body's defenses have not been sufficient at keeping the pathogen away. Okay. Um, So the pathway out, you know, is dependent on how deep it has gone and then that person's like capacity to actually do the healing work. And so that can depend on a lot of things. We call them resources, like the different things that the body needs to be able to be in health, to exist in health, and then to actually clear that pathogen out of the body. Like that all requires energy, that requires fluid, it requires specific things that we can cultivate over time. But often the first step is um, supporting at that level and then we can start to move out chronic, chronic stuff. And so whenever there is an imbalance, you know, whenever we're feeling any type of symptom, then we start to investigate like where that is coming from. Was that something that originated in childhood? Was that an injury that happened last week? You know, something relatively simple. Um, Was that, is that something you've been carrying with you for a long time? And these types of questions and our other, and then using our other diagnostic tools like reading of the pulse, looking at the tongue, um, can help us really form like an accurate diagnosis about where the imbalance is. Like maybe it's a primary channel imbalance that needs to be treated with the primary channels. Maybe it's a deep level of deficiency, like maybe there's some type of stagnation or maybe these secondary channels are involved and we need to go to those different places. Yeah. So I also think that a good question to think about, you know, is what does it actually mean to heal? You know, is it simply like symptoms going away? And you know, or is it deeper than that? And 
I think that even that we can explain like with Chinese medicine, like the heart is where the spirit resides and the heart wants to be able to express. The heart is the fire element. The kidneys are the water element. So one of the most important channels in Chinese medicine connects the heart and the kidneys. And the idea is that the fire of the heart shines so brightly that it can see into the great like ocean depths of the kidneys mm. where our purpose is held. So the kidneys are about purpose and um, lineage and destiny, like these deep questions, you know, about why we're here. And the heart needs to be able to see that and then live out that destiny through the expression of the spirit. So really all healing is about freeing this communication so that the spirit can shine, like to put it really simply. Wow, I had no idea, but you know that reminds me of the element of astrology that you bring in to your healing practice and into Chinese medicine. I read somewhere that Chinese medicine sees the body as a microcosm of the universe and so it would make sense that astrology is incorporated into this way of seeing that that takes the positions of the planets as consequential to who you develop into but it's also this archetypal way of thinking about ourselves and the parts of ourselves how you spoke about the heart as that home of expression and through fire and then the kidneys that filter all that we take in and they facilitate the release of all that we no longer need right like that it makes sense intuitively to me that they would be the organ of purpose and destiny because we need to filter our many possibilities and all that we take in and that we are taught into really let go of what we cannot make use of and that would make us sick if we held on to, right? And to facilitate that for our whole system. It's um, really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. It's like the, the kidneys and the heart, they know. Like, there's no, the spirit can never be sick. The spirit always knows. Like, the soul, kidneys, like, always know. But it's all this stuff, like life happens and we have to handle life and we live in a hard world, you know. Um, so there are these things that just cloud the, the deeper knowing, you know. And so, yeah, I think that like the healing work is remembering that which is deep and 
outside of us that's often obscured by um, the challenges of life. Um, I, I love the connection between astrology and Chinese medicine. I have sort of my own theories about exactly how the archetypes match up, and I think that that's really interesting, but I think more maybe just interesting to most people is just how profoundly the planets affect us all the time. I mean, the moon moves the ocean and sets the ocean tides, and we're made mostly of water. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say, like, how could astrology be real? But for me, it's like, how could it not be real? <laughs> right. How could it not be? Um, and I love working with people doing astrology and Chinese medicine at the same time because I think what comes up in the clinic with Chinese medicine often can pretty clearly point us to what's being lit up in the astrology chart. Mm. And... So sort of having that confirmation or that understanding can be really helpful for people. Um, and yeah, I mean, astrology is just an ancient, I've heard it described as the first medicine. Um, mm. But the Chinese, you know, see man as this center between heaven and earth. So I like to really see the practice as astrology as bringing in the heaven element to my work. That's beautiful. And it, Chinese medicine isn't the only, like you said, the only um, healing art that connects astrology because astrology, like Western astrology, incorporates each zodiac sign corresponding to a specific part of the body and governing how energy moves through there. Yeah, it's like people have been seeing the connection forever. Right. And for some reason, it's been lost in modern times, you know? Yes, which is a question that really just, it consumes me. It's like, why have we lost the way to be living in harmony here in our home, here in our existence? And how have we ventured so far down that lost path that we have arrived to the point of crisis in so many different areas? of our existence on an existential level and so we don't have to have that conversation <laughs> because it's yeah. just so enormous but it brings me back to this recognition of the way that you and others are carrying these ancient traditions as healing cultural work well, it's important because if we don't, like, we can't really understand our, uh, like, we can't be in a state of health if we're not connected to nature. You know, we can't, 
be healthy if we're not connected to spirit. And Chinese medicine so beautifully weaves all of this together. Yeah. So if you were to have been, um, have had the great honor and privilege of practicing this medicine, like way, you know, thousands of years ago, you would have had to also have studied all of the other arts, poetry, calligraphy, the martial arts, um, feng shui, the positioning of structures in nature, um, cooking, herbalism, like you would have had to study all of that before even being, having been considered for, um, practicing acupuncture, Mm. which is like incredible, you know, to imagine. And obviously a lot of things have changed. Um, but I think that it speaks like the, the reason for that to me is that all of that other stuff is essential for health, right? Like, are we moving our bodies, you know, are we connecting to spirit through meditation? Are we eating what we should be eating? Um, are we engaging in art? Are we, you know, like these sort of practice level things or way of living? And then I feel like not only have we lost a lot of that, um, but we also don't have like community in the same way. Mm. that we used to which I feel makes it so much harder to start engaging in all in these things like on your own like without the community support you know yeah but I think that Chinese medicine can help help us with clarity you know what we're lacking or what we're doing that feels off and we start to vibrate on a different level and attract different people and attract different experiences and I think that um I can see how it can start like a cultural shift at the same time. Yeah. And to me, it feels like that's very much a part of my experience in the world that so many people are releasing parts of our cultural upbringing that really don't serve them and seeking out more old growth traditions, um, ancient indigenous traditions, and also just non-Western kind of influences. Healing arts is absolutely one of those things. And it, it seems kind of like a cultural fusion that is taking place. And it's hard to see where it will lead us, right? Like there are ways that the partial influence of so many of these different traditions can be really incomplete. But at the same time, to me, it feels like we're really collectively starting to seek out the right kinds of healing um, relationships with our lives and our spiritualities. I'm curious because your relationships as your own practice as well as like in partnership very much represent a western training and modality and the classical chinese training and modalities Mm. how has that kind of shaped you yeah 
That's interesting. Um, I feel like my Western understanding of the body is from like all my training in the sciences. Mm-hmm. It's helpful, I think, when I can speak both languages. I think that's helpful for patients um, and for connecting like with physicians mm-hmm. to speak those same language. Um, my husband, Danny Weinberg, is an OBGYN. And I would say, like, that's been such a journey for us. Um, There were definitely times when I, it was more difficult for me having someone who was, like, working in such a different way, or at least training to work in such a different way. But we've really come to, I think, a really beautiful level of mutual respect and understanding for what one another does. And understanding our limitations um and so like it's definitely interesting to have like a front row seat almost into that world but to be practicing in this one I would say Mm -hmm. so you have spoken about Chinese medicine's capacity to respond to issues that elude Western medicine. And that makes a lot of sense to me based on the holistic nature that you've described of Chinese medicine. Um, This could include issues that are rooted in the emotions or one's identity, or things like chronic gastrointestinal issues, autoimmune conditions, chronic disease, and so much more. Can you explain how Chinese medicine's approach is able to respond to those things differently than Western medicine, and how this understanding opens up more access to healing those kinds of conditions? Yeah, so, yeah, that's a big question. Um... I feel like, yeah, it's good. I love, I love it. Um, when I look at Western medicine, I think they are, it is brilliant. It's so powerful. It is such potent medicine. And Western medicine is really good at saving lives. Like, you have an emergency, like, thank God for Western medicine. I think where Western medicine can fall short is context of what their medicine is doing. I think that Western medicine is really, really good at helping disease stay latent. Mm-hmm. Like, Actually, maybe it's not even that good at it, but that's what it's doing or attempting to do is to keep pathology quiet like that's what medications do usually I mean there are exceptions to everything but oftentimes medication is prescribed as a way to, to suppress symptoms and what is happening is the pathogen like we've been talking about has been is being kept quiet is being kept latent and I think if and that, you know, they have those tools. But I don't think Western medicine has the tools 
to cultivate health and then release the pathology out. Like that's not what they that's not what their medicine does. I think surgery, like in some cases, can be like this very powerful tool, but I don't think it often gets at the root cause. Um, because Chinese medicine has this complete understanding of where disease comes from and then how to push it out, there really isn't anything that is not treatable. Because we're not treating the disease, we're treating the entire person and everything that happened to that person to get them to where they are, like suffering from this disease, and then healing that part of them so that their body can release the trauma, can release the mm -hmm. pathogen and maintain health and re restore, go back to a place of health and balance because that's what the body is always, always attempting to do. Mm. What is so powerful to me about that is that the underlying truth that it suggests is that the body is already whole and that we are already whole and that that wholeness can be restored when the balance is tipped. Yeah, I just got so many chills. I mean, it's true. It's just a remembering of like who we are before the, before life, you know, made it, you know, made us forget. Like part of the oath of the classical Chinese medicine, medicine doctor is to always like search for and cultivate like the spark of life and like any being that still holds it. You know, so if it's, if that hasn't been lost, if the spirit is still here, like there's always a way to like connect with that and help it emerge again. There's just often a lot of stuff in the way that, and it can be a process, you know, it can be a long time of working to get there. Um, but generally I find that starting treatment, like things change, like things start to shift and that gets people, you know, intrigued and motivated and, and then there are infinite possibilities for like what is possible and with healing. I was getting ready to begin this season of the podcast that is now almost coming to a close that is all about healing work, examining the many different niches that people are occupying and emerging in to bring about and facilitate healing for the collective. 
whether that's physical healing of the body or different types of emotional healing and cultural work that helps us access different perspectives on healing and our lifestyles. And we were talking about the role that food plays in your healing work and practice. And I would love if you could talk to us about the view that Chinese medicine takes on how we eat and what foods really support our health. Yeah, well, I love talking about food. It's such an essential part of um, really every conversation about health. Like, there has to be, we have to be looking at at food. Um, so I practice of the lineage of the Jade Purity School. Jeffrey Yuan is an 88th generation Taoist priest and he is the one currently passing on this lineage and this enormous wealth of information and transmission in such a incredibly generous way. He teaches about everything from stone medicine to all of the acupuncture channels, to herbs, to essential oils, to massage, to shamanic tradition, to like everything you could imagine. And I've heard him say that the most powerful medicine we have is food. I feel like in modern American culture, we've come so far from any any normal around food. And so I think we often have a lot, a lot of work to do to get back to a way of eating that, that is um, truly nurturing and focused on digestion and the ability to digest and assimilate food um, in a way that it can then nourish our bodies. So when I think about eating, you know, there's sort of just eating for life and maintaining health. And then there's specific eating that might be for times of healing where a more specific diet is needed. Um, So there's that distinction. Um, so some things that I talk to most people about are that food should be cooked and warm and wet. So (laughs) the stomach and the organs of digestion, I think of it as like a pot on a stove and There's a fire underneath that is like the yang of the spleen pancreas that keeps digestion moving. As in yin and yang. As in yin and yang, yes. Yang being the active um, movement, energy aspect of digestion in this case that is supported by like the pilot light of the kidneys. Um, 
And so if you have a pot on the stove and you put something cold or raw or like dump ice water on that fire, like what happens to the fire? The cooking stops, right? You have to crank up the heat on the stove and you have to wait. So basically more and more energy is needed to get that soup to get that pot back up to temperature. Mm-hmm. So the same thing happens in the body. If we put in something that is really difficult to digest, the body has to do a lot of extra work to digest it. Specifically, cold things weaken the digestive system over time. And that can show up in just so many ways. Like It could show up as generally digestive distress, but it can also start to show up in the joints as the body tries to manage that cold or any number of chronic degenerative diseases. So really keeping most food that goes into the belly like warm and cooked is actually really important. Food should be, should be wet. So if I could have like one slogan, I think it would be like eat wet food. <laughs> Because most people are chronically dehydrated, like systemically dehydrated, even people who drink water constantly. Drinking plain water is really important, but it's more about cleansing and flushing toxins out of the body. True deep hydration comes from eating wet food. So food that has been cooked in water. So this is porridge and soups and stews and boiled vegetables, steamed grains, broth. These foods we should be eating in abundance. And it wasn't actually, like speaking of ancient wisdom, you know, it wasn't that long ago that soup was included with every meal. But we've really lost that in our culture in addition to consuming all of the things that are very dehydrating and overly stimulating that actively consume fluid or yin in the body. Mm -hmm. So these things being coffee and chocolate and spicy food and garlic and onions and, and then the lifestyle parts of it, like screen time and not enough rest and just being overly stimulated. Um, all of these things consume yin and need to be, so we need to be like extra replenishing with these super moistening um, and nourishing foods. So yeah, warm and cooked, wet, and, and then I think the third thing that I say often is just how to think about a meal, like a meal can include a protein, a grain, and a vegetable, or a green, a grain, and a protein. Um, and just returning to this like simple way of eating like food that's easily digestible I mean really I could go on and on and on there's there are a lot of things to consider like herbs and spices that help with digestion and directionality there's proper food combining there's eating with the seasons there's eating for your specific constitution um, you know, we could go into a lot of detail, but I think pretty much overall, 
those are good things to be to keep your sort of baseline mm -hmm. good eating and that is a shift in perspective for me um, and I think for a lot of people because the broth or like the slow cooked long extracted meal that you might get with a soup or a sauce or a porridge or a deeply infused tea is often not central to our diets. For a lot of us, I think like, when I think about my diet, I'm thinking about things that I can like pack to go or things that are kind of convenient and quick. And often that includes some of those things, but soup is lower on the list. <laughs> mm -hmm. And partially it's perhaps our lifestyle that we're not home in the same ways with the same kind of um, consistency as we once were. Yeah, well, my teacher would say that um, people can sort of get away with not eating enough like or much at all like um nourishing fluid until like mid 30s and then and then the effects start to really show themselves so um like being properly hydrated affects literally every physiological function in the body and it's impossible to clear any sort of disease whether it's covid or any other common virus um, or like not to mention like pulling up this old or disease pathology like all of that requires an abundance of fluid if we think about how we get something out when we're sick it all involves fluid right it's we um, yeah we sweat it out or we pee it out or we poop it out or vomit or um, cry it out or if we eat soup yeah <laughs> right because we know like that's what we need to be to be able to actually heal yeah so it's crucial it's absolutely crucial to being able to be well and clear any sort of disease hmm. so what you're saying is that when it comes to food as medicine food as our most important medicine we're thinking about the digestive fire and how we can conserve energy to make digestion more of a gentle process. And we're also thinking about the element of hydration. Yeah, yeah, those are two very important pieces of supporting like digestive health. Um, and and digestion like it's the earth element it's central to everything else um, so you know a lot of Chinese medicine is about balance and I think that often with the American diet and lifestyle it just it's really out of balance is what we need you know it's a, like diets are 
really stimulating and even heat producing because you know I mentioned not you want warm food but you don't want like too much hot either because that can cause its own issues like stomach heat which a lot of people come to me with like a lot of heat issues which we would treat in a different way Mm -hmm. um so there are like a lot of different pieces to it but I do think that those are two fundamental pillars of cultivating health and digestive health specifically yeah so what are some of your specific interests that you've specialized in in your practice yeah um so I love working with women in the process of cultivating fertility, people who are having trouble conceiving babies, and then supporting them during pregnancy, and maybe most especially um, caring for them in the postpartum period. Um, I think that there is just nothing quite so transformative as like the process of um, having babies and the the entire process and so it's a really interesting and beautiful time to get to work with women in this medicine as they really transform and really support their health through the process Um, I love postpartum care because I feel like it's a completely neglected part of um, modern obstetrics and the way that a birthing person takes care postpartum will affect that person's health for the rest of their life and very often parents just are not given the support that they need and don't know how to take care of themselves in a way that allows them to replenish and rebuild and um, and come back to even a greater state of health than they were before mm. having their babies. So I just love it so much. There's so much food involved. There's like rest and like really sensual, enriching practices and treatments that that we can give to to support that time so I love it um I also really love working with trauma and people who've experienced significant trauma because I think Chinese medicine just has such such powerful tools for for really healing that trauma I think that talk like therapies that involve talking are so important and so amazing and sometimes I found that it's not quite enough for people like maybe the trauma was pre-verbal so it's hard to get there with words or maybe the trauma maybe a lot comes up in therapy but then it's like what do I do with this now that I you know have discovered this thing um and I feel like Chinese medicine has amazing tools to help people really work through that deep trauma and like release it and transform through it. And and then the other group of people that I 
am fascinated by and love working with is teenagers and young adults because again it's like a very transformative time of life it's like this coming of age just discovering who they are and I feel like this medicine can really help with clarity when people are sort of confused or stuck I mean especially in this age of the post pandemic is it post pandemic ish <laughs> you tell me <laughs> But, you know, like, all of the mental health issues that have come up for them, like, I think there's just so much support that can be given to them, and they generally respond really quickly, and I think it can just totally shift, you know, the rest of their lives, and, like, the way they think about medicine and health and taking care of themselves, Um, because I think often we don't even, you know, we take so many classes about so many things, but we don't even, like, we don't talk about cultivation of self or health or, or these things very often mm-hmm. you know, when we're young we can't really teach our young ones what we don't know ourselves no, that's true that's very true <laughs> but some of us know well yeah I think that's a really beautiful place to go because like the practice of this medicine I think just requires this constant self-evaluation and self-work and practice and I definitely feel like that's my most important role as a practitioner is the work that I do on myself and that personal cultivation I think without that without that the medicine just can't be as pure and potent, you know? Absolutely. I found myself, like, trying to meet a deadline for my podcast when the episode was about, like, taking care of yourself and listening to your body and, like, (laughs) just, like, feeling really perfectionist about the outcome and Mm. things like that. And it's like, well, who needs to hear this right now? Totally, like learning to listen to ourselves, to hear ourselves, like what our bodies are saying, like that's so much of the work I think is like learning to stop and feel. Yeah. Yeah, to see our work as also what happens when no one is holding us accountable but ourselves. same time like how what we do in our own work inevitably you know spirals outward and affects the people around us and vice versa like we it really like just to get back to your whole like concept you know of um, the connectedness like I really the more we all do that work like we elevate each other you know absolutely Thanks for bringing it back to that. I worked with you over the course of six months on a chronic problem that I had been experiencing for two years um, where I was getting chronic urinary tract infections. And that happens to be 
an ailment that primarily affects women and people with uteruses. And I was experiencing periodic infections that were so painful and every time that I sought medical care, um, especially as a person who didn't have a really consistent primary care provider, I would go to an urgent care or try out different providers. And I had so many healthcare practitioners tell me that there was nothing else that I could do except take antibiotics, even though I knew that that wasn't going to make the infection go away long term, because I kept getting them every two to three months for two years. And I think I hit a point that felt like I was, I had reached my limit when the fourth or fifth doctor who happened to be a man told me, this is just normal, it's just something that happens to young women, and it'll go away. And th that's verbatim, the message that I was given time and time again. But it upset me, because it felt like the answer that I was really being given was that there wasn't a solution for you in this framework mm -hmm. that cares about the problem that you're having. And so I was really, really grateful for the opportunity to work with you. And we did acupuncture together, and you sent me home with kind of some foods to really prioritize as part of my at-home care. And it's been a year now since I had a problem like that, and I have healed that recurring infection and you asked me a question um, on our last session that was has stuck with me the, just the whole time. And I think I framed my first podcast episode of this season around that question, which is, what truly nourishes you? Mm. And it sounds simple, but really being honest with myself, trying to figure that out, and to separate it from cravings and habits and convenience was a really powerful process as part of my healing. Yeah, I love that you brought up that example because I think it's a, it's a great way of seeing how the medicine is so much more than just like the acupuncture treatment itself, right? It's the acupuncture treatment that <clears throat> opens a sp specific channel and gives you the opportunity to make change and clear this old thing, you know, that you've been holding on to. And the medicine is you, like, looking to yourself and asking yourself that question, f learning to feel that in your body and to listen to that, like, ultimately that's the even deeper healing that's happening. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sam. This has been really beautiful. Thank you so much for your interest and for taking the time. I feel so honored. If people want to work with you, what is the best way for them to get in touch? 
Um, if you want to reach out to me, my practice is Classical Chinese Medicine of Virginia, and you can find all my contact information um, on my Liz page. Thank you so much. Thank you.